If you haven't already, please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians in chapter 2. Book of Ephesians chapter 2. So last week, uh, Spencer Essen Price, uh, part of our congregation, led us to begin our annual consideration of God's mission and how we as the people of Redeemer can, can actively join in and be a part of God's mission in the world. So last week, Spencer spoke from Revelation chapter 5 and made this point that Jesus Christ came to build a people for himself, we might say a church, made up of every nation, tribe, tongue, language, and people of the earth. And so if that's God's mission, that's our mission. If that's God's purpose, that's our purpose. If that's what God wants for his church, that's what we want for his church. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to consider how we can be a part of what God's doing in his world through his church. So before we look at Ephesians 2, there should be a flyer like this that was passed down the aisle. And so as I said, over the next four weeks, over four weeks, over this week and the coming few weeks, we're going to talk about the work that God's doing in the world and how we can be a part of that. And, um, and we are praying that you would be seeking the Lord's direction for how you can be a part of God's mission. One way that you can do that is to join us in the work that we do. One way you can do that is to pray for the work of our church. And one way you can do that is to give to the work of our church. So those of you who are part of Redeemer, we are asking that you prayerfully consider a gift between now and the end of the year to help fund our mission endeavors in 2018. And that's what this flyer is. And that's not what this sermon is. But we are praying that your soul would be stirred to say, Lord, how can I take part in what you're doing in the world? How can I pray differently? How can I live differently? How can I speak differently? How can I serve differently? And how can I give differently? And so we would invite you to consider a gift to Redeemer on Mission. And that flyer should tell you everything about who we fund and how you can join in with us. So, as I said, over the next three weeks, we're going to look at Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. And so if you like to read ahead, if you'd like to study ahead, I have one Bible study of ladies here that, that likes to study the sermon passage. And they're, they're always wanting as much foreknowledge as I can give them of what's coming. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be in Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. And our purpose is to take that message from last week and look particularly at, at how then can we engage God's work in the world. And so our sermon today will look at verses 11, 12, and 13, which Jess just read for us. Our, our sermon is entitled, The Proximity of Mission. The Proximity of Mission. And, and what we mean by this title, which leads to the point is that God's mission 
is his work of taking people who are far from him, who are cut off from him, who are separated from him, and bringing them into his presence, his love, his acceptance, his grace, his mercy, his salvation. So God's mission is his work whereby he, God seeks those who are far off with the purpose of bringing them near and building his church. So mission takes place amongst those who are far from God for the purpose of pointing them to come near to God through Christ. So mission takes place amongst those who are far from God with the purpose of pointing them to come near to God through Christ. That is where God's mission takes place. And I'm already going to go on a tangent, and I hadn't even got to the first point yet, but this, this is important. Somewhere along the way, the church shifted and said that God's mission happens when the church gathers on Sunday morning. By the way, if, if you're here and you're not a part of a church, if you're not part of the church of Jesus, if you're not... If you're not even sure you're a Christian, we are so glad you're here and we pray that you would hear the gospel of Jesus. You would, you would feel the invitation of the Spirit to be brought, brought near through Christ and we pray that you would even respond today. But the mission of the church happens when the people of the church are scattered amongst God's world. The mission of the church happens when we leave here and we take the gospel of Jesus and the salvation of Jesus and the joy of our salvation in Christ with us to see God's world the way God sees God's world. That's where the mission of the church takes place. And so today's message follows this theme that Paul, the Apostle Paul, lays out in Ephesians 2, 11, 12, and 13. And it pushes us all the way down to this one takeaway. Am I even willing to care that real people with real souls are far from God? This passage this morning is going to push us all the way to this one question. And so if you'll only bear with me for 30 seconds today, here it is. If you need to get to lunch and prove to your spouse that you were paying attention, here's your, here's your 30 seconds right here. Am I even willing to care that there are people, real people, with real souls who are far from God and separated from him. Because Paul's command in these passages, I believe, calls us to care. And until we care, until we're broken, until we are drawn to pain and hurt and longing for our neighbors to know Christ and be brought near, we will not take any action. 
And until I care that there are people in the horn of Africa who are far from God and separated from his grace and will not walk in his presence apart from hearing of Christ and responding to the gospel, I will take no action. Until my heart and your heart and our collective hearts are broken to see God's world and God's people the way he sees them, as as separated from him, as alienated from the covenants of promise, as needing his saving grace, we will take no action. None. And so my goal today is not to appeal to your pocketbook. Please give if you feel led to. My goal is not to appeal to to what you do when you leave here today. Please use it for the glory of God. But my appeal today is to appeal to your heart through your mind so that you will be broken about those who are far from God, so broken that you'll pray differently, live differently, speak differently, make friends differently, host dinner parties differently, attend church differently, and give your money differently. I'm so hesitant to talk about offerings because I don't want you to drop a $50 check in the offering plate and placate your conscience and silence what the Holy Spirit is doing. I want you to be broken by the Word of God. And this passage says that it is good that we remember our broken, sinful, separated from God estate before Christ saved us. And I believe that remembering who we were before we were in Christ is the only way to see God's world the way he sees it and have a heart of compassion and mercy and longing for other people who were far from God to be brought near. So that's it. Now, my job is to convey to you in the next few minutes that that's what this passage says. Because that sounded pretty good, and I hope it sounded passionate. And yeah, I even yelled like a sweaty fundamentalist, but it's okay. I might be sweaty. Anyway, my, my task now is to convince you that that's what this passage says. So, for my note-taking friends, the main point this morning is, it is good to remember who we were apart from Christ. And God's mission begins by loving the world and seeing the world the way God does. So that's our point. So first point is this. Remember. So can you remember the first point today? It's remember. Look at the passage with me. Therefore, remember. Therefore, remember. So if, if you're one who writes in your Bible, I want you to underline, circle, note the word remember right there. That's an imperative. An imperative means something that we are told to do. So the Apostle Paul is telling the readers of the book of Ephesians to stop and to remember something. Now, now just... Because I, I want to make the point. Like if you're, if you're new to reading the Bible or if you find reading the Bible difficult or if you find understanding what the Bible is saying to do 
always look for the verbs. Always look for the verbs because the verbs tell us how the author wants us to respond. And remember, I promise this isn't going to become an English lesson, but remember is a verb. It's, a, it's an imperative. Like when you look at your kids and you say, don't do that. Or I really, I really uh, covet the, the, the Spanish language because they have words that take sentences like don't do that and come together. Like vominos. Come, you all come. Like, like see, like, like that's, that's, that's a verb. That's a do. Remember. And so when the Bible gives us verbs, we should clue into them, okay? Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, do you know how many imperatives there are? One. And it's right there in chapter 2, verse 11. It's remember. So if Paul's going to write for three chapters and there's one imperative, one thing that he wants you to do, I would, I would convey to you that we should perk up and we should listen, right? What does he tell you to remember? In short, he says, remember how much of spiritual separation, hurt, pain, anxiety, and nothing you were until Christ saved you. That's what he says. Look at the passage. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, that's all of us, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. So so notice what Paul does there. He says that the Jewish people at this time make fun of the non-Jewish people for being the uncircumcision. But since the circumcision was in the flesh, they're all Gentiles in the flesh. So he says, everybody's guilty. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, Strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So what does Paul say we need to remember? That left to ourselves, we are separated from Christ, which means we're separated from salvation. means alienated, that is cut off. Cut off and hostile to the carrier of God's promise. Strangers, that is again, distant and separated from the covenants of promise. Having no hope in the world without God in the world. So this is the picture that Paul paints for humanity apart from Christ. Broken, sinful, separated from God, and with no hopeful answer for our separation. Paul says that we separated from Christ, left to ourselves, are alone, hopeless, and without way of remedy for our problem. Now notice this description. Separated. Distance. 
alienated. No community. Strangers unwelcomed. Hopeless. No way out. Do do, do you get the picture of what Paul is painting? So in in Ephesians 2, verses 1, 2, and 3, Paul paints the picture of separation from Christ in a theological sense. Dead in your sins. In, In verse 11 and 12, he paints it in a tangible sense. How does dead in our sins make us feel? Alienated, separated, alone, hopeless, longing for something to come and deliver us. Do do you feel the weight of what Paul is saying? And Paul says that it's good to remember this. It's good to remember our estate before Christ. And then he calls us to remember our estate in Christ. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Do you see what he says? Christ came to enter this hopeless situation and bring deliverance, healing, hope, salvation, community, covenant, and joy. Christ came to turn around the curse of sin and and satisfy the cry of the human heart to know God, to know hope, to know salvation, to know grace, to know mercy, to know love, to know compassion, to know walking in His ways. Paul says that we are called to remember. We're called to remember who we were apart from Christ. And we're called to remember the great power of Christ's blood. So what good does it do to remember these things? What good does it do to remember these things? Number one, it reminds us moment by moment and day by day that our hope and our salvation comes not from us, but from Christ alone. It reminds us that our hope and our salvation was purchased by the blood of Christ And it's the blood of Christ that covers our sin. It's the blood of Christ that brings us near to God. It's the blood of Christ that gives us hope in the world. It's the blood of Christ that allows us to be a part of God's covenant community. It's the blood of Christ that allows us to be loved and accepted. It's the blood of Christ that gives us hope for this life and the life to come. So remembering who we were apart from Christ calls us and causes us to always take the posture of humble recipients and never the posture of arrogant, assuming, privileged position. We are always humble recipients in the presence of Christ. Second, remembering who we were apart from Christ 
gives us hope in the blood of Christ. Remembering who we are in Christ gives us hope in the blood of Christ. I don't believe that Paul's goal in verses 11 and 12 is to make you sad and to make you feel unduly evil. I think Paul's goal in verses 11 and 12 is to, is to cause me and you to say we are humble recipients of God's grace. And if God's grace can cover my sin and if God's grace can make all things new, then there is hope in this world no matter what I face today. So Paul calls us to remember because remembering keeps us appropriately humble and remembering gives us appropriate hope in Christ and in the blood of Jesus. So now, second point. I would love, 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 love to talk for about 15 minutes about repentance of sin, about trusting in the faith of Christ, I would love to talk about what it looks like to mature through remembering your sin. I'd love to talk about God's vision for maturing you in Christ. And we'll do that some other day. But for today, I want to move and then ask this question. Our second point, what does this remembering do for God's mission? So the second point, the mission of remembering. The mission of remembering. So Jesus is in the business of building his church. And as Spencer pointed to us last week from Revelation chapter 5, he's in the business of building his church from every people, nation, tribe, and tongue around the world. And I believe that this remembering in verses 11, 12, and 13 of Ephesians chapter 2 will cause us to engage with the mission of God. And here's how. Takeaway number one is remembering who we were causes us to be humble, right? So then when it comes to God's mission, remembering who we were causes us to see the world with compassion and empathy. Remembering who we were apart from Christ causes us to see the world with compassion and empathy. So hear this. The difference between you and a Muslim terrorist, the difference between you and that crazy man that cut you off on the road, honked his horn, and shot you two gestures at one time, and somehow steering his car, the difference between you and your neighbor who doesn't believe that there's a God, the difference between you and your neighbor who wants nothing to do with anything in the Bible is nothing about how awesome you are. The difference is you've been saved by God's amazing grace. And remembering who you were apart from Christ will be what postures us to be empathetic and compassionate toward those who are separated from Jesus. So if you think that you're more intellectual than lost people, you will be arrogant and call them stupid. You may never say it, but you'll think it. If you'll think that you're from a better 
ethnic background than other people, and that's what makes you acceptable in God's sight, you'll believe that their problem is where they were born and how they were reared. If you believe that that people are just bad and you're somehow good, then you'll take up a position of ethical superiority and you'll look down your nose at those who rebel against God. But Paul says, no, 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 no. Remember that you were separated, alienated, a stranger having no hope in the world without God. Remember that and then that will cause you to look at others differently. What the world needs is not our condemnation, but they need our Savior. So I believe that Muslim terrorists confronted by the grace of God and the saving power of Jesus can become Christian evangelists who bear fruit for the glory of God because the blood of Jesus is that powerful. And I believe that angry teenagers that thump their chest at the world and believe they have it all figured out can be softened and humbled and made new by the blood of Jesus and bear fruit for his glory. And I believe that unbelieving atheists who think they know all the answers and think they can reason God out of his world can be brought near and humbled and given a a, defensible, clear articulation of who God is and how he saves and who his son is by the power of the Holy Spirit that was purchased for us by the blood of Jesus. I believe that. And seeing myself as I really was causes me to see the world with an appropriate compassion and appropriate empathy. So I have a question for you. If you were honest, what's your heart and your disposition toward those who are far from God? Is it disdain, contempt, superiority, pride? Or is it brokenness, compassion, Hurt, longing. Spirit of God, if you could do anything today, I pray you would speak through that question to our hearts and break us appropriately. And if you're not broken today, remember who you were before Christ. Do what Paul tells you in verses 11 and 12. So that was number one. The mission of remembering begins by remembering who we were because that brings empathy. Number two, the mission of remembering gives us hope. The mission of remembering gives us hope because those who were separated, alienated strangers, having no hope without God, verse 13 says, but we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. The far off have been brought near. God has turned the alienation into reconciliation. He's turned the far off into nearness. He's turned the hatred into compassion and love. And if the blood of Jesus can do that for me, how much more can the blood of Jesus do that for everyone else? If the blood of Jesus can do that for you, how much more can the blood of Jesus do that for everyone else? So parents with wayward children, do you believe 
that the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your child's life, ministering the gospel of Jesus, is enough to bring your far away child near to God? Because I believe these verses tell us that they are. Those of us that watch the news at night so that we can get angry at the people that make us uncomfortable, do we believe that the blood of Jesus is enough to change those people that make us uncomfortable and make our world what we don't like and make all things new? Do we believe that the blood of Jesus is that powerful? And will we take up a posture of compassion? When we see people who clearly worship other gods, Will we sneer at them and make fun of them and distance ourselves from them because they make us uncomfortable? Or will we believe that the blood of Jesus causes people to repent and turn and change and be different? The mission of God begins the mission of God begins for us by seeking to have the heart of God toward God's world. And I believe that if we remember who we were, we will see the world with empathy. And if we remember the blood of Jesus, we will see the world with hope. And I believe empathy, compassion mixed with hope drives a Christian to mission. Empathy mixed with compassion, I'm sorry, empathy and compassion mixed with hope drives a Christian to mission. And so today, I am preaching for one response, actually two. I want those who know Christ to have a compassionate disposition toward the world who is separated from God. That's what I want. Next week, we'll talk about what you do with that. And then the next week, we'll talk about how the church does that together. But today, I'm preaching for your emotions. I don't do that often. So today, I'm preaching for how you feel. Today, I'm preaching for what you think. Today, I'm preaching for you to say, I will do the hard work of remembering my sin so that I can have hope for myself and walk in the grace of God, and so that I can have empathy and hope for the world that is all around me. Because without that disposition, you'll never befriend someone who is, who is different from you. Without that disposition, you will never pursue those who are not like you. Without that disposition, you will never sacrifice for the good of another. You just, we just won't do it. So our hearts need this disposition of, of compassion and hope. And that's what I'm praying for today. Remembering who we were produces compassion. And remembering who we are now produces hope. So the second thing I'm preaching for today, if you're here and you are not a Christian, We would love for you today to consider the claims of Jesus. This is what the totality of the Bible tells us that, that 
that Paul refers to in verse 13 when he says, in Christ Jesus, the far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What, what Paul is referring to is God's son, Jesus, became a man, lived in this world, died upon a cross to bear the, the penalty and the wrath of God that our sins deserve. And on the third day, he rose from the dead, displaying that he has even defeated death. And if he can defeat death, he can defeat sin. This Jesus now lives and reigns. And he says to all the world, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, you who are separated, alienated, strangers without hope and without God, come to me and I will give you rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so today we would invite you to consider Jesus, the one who spilled his blood to bring the far off near to forgive the sinner, to reconcile the stranger, and to give hope to the lost. Today, we would invite you to consider Christ. I would love to talk to you after the service about Jesus. I know other people here would love to do so as well. Our main point this morning is that Paul calls us to remember who we were and to remember who Christ has made us. On his last night, on earth, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up. On his last night on earth, Jesus sat down with his disciples and he called them to remember as well. He held up a piece of bread and he said, this bread represents my body which will be broken for you. As often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. And so what Jesus is saying, church, always remember that the body of Jesus had to be broken for your position in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus held up a cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood as often as you drink it. Do so in the remembrance of me. And what Jesus was saying is, church, remember that the blood of Jesus is your only hope to belong to the children of God and to be in the kingdom of God. And so what I'm compelling you is Jesus wanted us to remember how much we need his grace and how powerful his saving grace is. And so here at Redeemer, we this morning are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper by doing just what Jesus said. We're going to take the bread and we're going to take the cup and we're going to remember the salvation that he brings. Today, I want to particularly ask you, as you're holding the bread and as you're holding the cup, will you prayerfully plead with God to show you how great is his salvation and to show you anew how much you need the blood of Christ to cover your sin, how far from him you were before you were brought near.